What's up, my friends? Before we get into today's episode, I want to take just a moment and tell you about the Kickstarter project I just launched for BGDL Plus, Board Game Design Lab Plus. This is something I've been wanting to do for a while, just a way to uh, add more content, do more interview series, do more really cool stuff, and also give you a voice in the community, a little bit more voice to you know vote for guests and upcoming topics and things like that, and just do some giveaways, do lots of really cool extra stuff. And so BGDL Plus is the way that I'm going to do that. And so really want to encourage you, if you've gotten value out of the community, out of these podcasts, out of the different stuff the BGDL has been doing, please go over to uh, Kickstarter and check it out. You can actually just go to boardgamedesignlab.com slash plus. That's P-L-U-S. And it'll redirect you to where you need to go to check out the, the real cool stuff. There's some awesome rewards. There's some real cool special edition t-shirts and different swag and stuff like that. But there's also a lot of access to extra podcast episodes and some different interview series that I'm working on. And so, yeah, if you've really enjoyed this content and you just want more, you want to dive deeper into your game design and just kind of go even further down that game design road, I want to encourage you to check out the Kickstarter. Again, that's BoardGameDesignLab.com slash plus. Thanks. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at QMLogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, we're talking about winning a game design contest. We're talking about what it takes to come out on top, to be the number one person that walks away with the prize. And we're talking to Corey Damey, not only the winner of the Board Game Design Lab Design Challenge, but also now the winner of the Button Shy Gin Cant contest as well. You are a two-time winner, sir. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hello. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to talk to you about this. And this is cool. Like just a couple of days ago, it was announced that you won the Button Shy contest as well. And so like, that's two for two. Is How many contests have you entered? Oh, gosh. Um, I think there would be three, actually. One kind of flew under the radar. But um, yeah, this uh, was a huge surprise. Yeah. So. so you've won two out of the three contests that you've entered. Um, crazy enough, three of the three. And so, um, oh, you won three. Gloat. <laughs> yeah, what? I didn't yeah. know you won three. Congratulations, three-time champ. What was <laughs> cool. the third one? We didn't really dig into that. So. <laughs> what was the third one? Um, it was actually the first contest that I I entered it into, and and part of the reason why it got to the point where I could actually feel confident putting it out to these other ones, and it's um, John Keane on uh, Board Game Geek actually had a a contest called the BGG Two Player. Uh, design contest and so I submitted it to that and got lots of great feedback um, and eventually just I mean of very many categories actually won best game so that was that was really cool awesome man that's really awesome now I gotta ask you this though which contest that you won provided you with the best looking trophy Whew. you know what I would have to say the board game design lab <laughs> yeah that's right that's right we we do things pretty well around here I'm not I'm just saying uh, you know I don't know if other uh, design contests do trophies, but I feel like they should. There's just something cool. I wanted to do a championship belt, like WWE style. Like you walk around with it on your shoulder or around your waist and be like, yeah, the champ is here. Like, I don't know. That's just my, my ridiculous background. I don't have enough belts. Background. I think that, that would be really wonderful. <laughs> I, yeah, that was, it was really nice. I, I bet it. It was real. It was 
Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> That's cool, man. Well, hey, let's get into it. Uh, but first, Corey, who are you? How'd you get into game design, all that good stuff? Uh, well, thanks for the introduction. I am Corey Damey. Um, well, let's see. I, I guess I could start with maybe like what I do. I don't know. That might be helpful to um, to part of this. But I'm a UX UI designer, um, formerly like a graphic designer. So that's been um, it's been something that's been hugely helpful just to this whole game design thing. Um, I live here in Twin Falls, Idaho with my wife and three kids. Um, yeah, and who who would have thought that I could actually design a game? <laughs> yeah, man, so how'd you actually get into design? Now, it might have something to do with being in Idaho where there's maybe not as much to do. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually a lot to do. Uh, <laughs> I'm just messing. What some people might say. Um, yes, yeah, a huge outdoor scene here. Um, however, I found that there was a very very minuscule group of people who actually are designing board games, let alone, I mean, just playing board games, let alone actually designing them. So um, it's not as though I was seeking um, to create any sort of design group, but um, as I became actually introduced to board gaming after living here in Twin Falls, um, it just kind of became a natural desire, I guess, to, to actually start designing them. So yeah, I actually had a coworker who who introduced me to board gaming. And the first game that he he showed me was San Juan. I was just like, this is so cool. Yeah. I thought that Monopoly was like you know the best. <laughs> it blew your mind, That's didn't it? Really true. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, let's kind of get into the topic at hand of how didn't how in the world do you win one of these, let alone three of these? And so, but first. Why why contest? Why enter contest in general? Why do you think this is a good idea? Why did you do it? That kind of thing. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I think that the best reason to enter contests is uh, there's there's a few reasons, but one is to uh, if, if you struggle with um, going from a, a starting design to something that's completely finished, that is the way to do it. It's uh, it's the only thing that's really going to push you to um, well, not the only thing, but it, there's a deadline. And so once there are deadlines, um, you know, you, you suddenly have to be scheduled. You have to be on it in terms of making sure that things get done. I need to, to have X amount of play tests. I need to have uh, my art ready to go, graphic design, um, some blind play tests. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it really just kind of forced me to, to make sure that uh, I was meeting commitments um, you know, to the end of actually having a finished game. Yeah, for sure. This is something I've talked about probably several times on the show before. It's it's your mother-in-law, man. Your mother-in-law is coming for dinner, and so the house has got to get clean, and you got to put you got to hang those pictures on the wall, and you got to hide your dirty underwear, and like all these things, right? And so, oh, yeah, that's right. Game contests they 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 kind of force that on you. Now, obviously, you're volunteering for this, um, but you know, it kind of gives you that hard deadline that that you feel more accountable to, right? You feel more obligated to get some things done, and it kind of pushes you. Just like your your wonderful, lovely mother-in-law might do in the same way, right? Did, and so that's the kind of thing you experienced. Like, did you have that moment of like, oh man, I've got to get this done. I've got five hours left. I got an hour left. I got to get this thing submitted. That kind of thing. Every single time, um, I, I know I'm personally a procrastinator, and I'm not speaking to you know most of the designers out there, but uh, you know I think I have it like right in the bag, and and suddenly it's like something I forgot. Yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah, it's always crunch time. But, uh, but, but having that deadline does help you um, kind of compartmentalize some of the, the moving parts and trying to, to, to get them done um, before 
you roll the whole thing out. Yeah, definitely. All right, so let's talk about why contests are good from the feedback side. Now, not all contests give you feedback, but I feel like a lot of the ones that, that I promote, a lot of the ones that I've seen, you know, it's somebody that at least gives you something as far as feedback goes. So what has been uh, your experience with the judges or whoever, you know, looked at your game, looked at your sell sheet, your video, whatever, with the feedback and how has it kind of made your game better? Oh, yeah. Um, it has it has definitely made the game a whole lot better. Um, from the very first one on BGG to um, to your contest that you hosted, um, all that feedback uh, came pouring in, and uh, a lot of people <clears throat> have just been, like, really, really honest, which has been the best for it. Uh, I, I'm not really sure how well it would have done uh, if everybody was just like, good job, this is really great. Right. Um and so you kind of have to filter uh, some of that feedback a little bit. Obviously, the, the vision of the game is important. Um, it, you want it to be a certain way, and you don't want to change it so much uh, to accommodate what other people think it ought to be. And so taking that, uh, a lot of that, that feedback with a grain of salt, but also um, sometimes considering the source, um, that last round of the board game design lab contest was... Uh, the video feedback was incredible. So that's still stuff that I'm, I'm pondering, and um, I'll be probably talking with Jason Tagmeyer about um, just because <laughs> I, I had no idea. I was just like, wow, like a lot of this is good, but uh, a lot of what they're saying is very valid. Um, and so moving forward with development is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Even if it's not stuff that you ultimately use, right? Even if it's bad feedback, so to speak, from a like making your game better, it at least makes you think, right? So oh, yeah. I've, I've seen, you know, I've been in a couple of contests and gotten really bad feedback a few times from people that were like, <laughs> I feel like you didn't play my game. I feel like you were writing about a different game, you know, whatever. But it made me think. It made me ponder, like, what? How did this, how did they see it that way, whatever. And it made me have to grow as a designer, have to fix my game in different ways, even if it wasn't the way that they suggested. It, at least, you know, I had to travel down that road. As opposed, Like you said, it wasn't people just going, yes, good job. It's, it's hard to grow from that, right? You, you need oh, that right. tension. You need that, uh, the things that make you uncomfortable to, to help you grow. Now, as far as, like, what you've gained from this... What have you gained after winning three contests? Like your game's get, is it getting published? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, it is. Um, that's I guess that's something that that I've gained. Um, it's it's kind of hard to believe, like I've said I think, so many times. Um, but I think that I've one of the most important things I think I've gained is kind of uh, that I can say yes, I am a a game designer now and that's one thing that it's been really hard for me to to come to terms with um and i'm you know I, i'm sure that some people uh, deal with this as well but um now i'm not saying yeah i'm the next eric lang <laughs> no um but i can confidently say this is something i can do um and after um even just finishing the game um there's there's a bit of a confidence boost there but um, yeah, I guess just coming away from this, I, I find that like my identity as a game designer is actually valid. Yeah. And I would say even, and this goes to you and to a lot of people listening to this right now, mm -hmm. even if you've never published a game, if this is something that you're you're actively engaging in and actively like intentionally traveling down that route, I'd say you're already a game designer, even without anything on the show. Agreed. Shelf. You Agreed. Know, you know Absolutely. I think, I think winning a contest or getting a game signed or published, whatever, you know, running a successful Kickstarter, whatever the route you take, I think that gives you some good validation and it gives, gives you some mm -hmm. more credibility for sure. But I would say even before that, if you're actively engaging in this, you're a designer, you're a game designer. If you're actively writing a book, 
you're a writer. Like even if the book's not out yet, even if the book never comes out, you just kind of work on it, <laughs> you know, indefinitely. I'd say you, you're a writer as long as until you quit, until you go. You know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Okay, then you're not really a game designer anymore. Like you, you've stopped. Like I don't want to write the book. I don't want to write anymore. Okay, you're not a writer anymore. But as long as you're actively doing it, I'd, I'd say you're already yeah, in that zone. Right. But like you're saying, I feel like imposter syndrome is something a lot of us deal with and going, well, you know, I'm not really. And we compare ourselves to Eric Lang. We compare ourselves to Rob Davio, Matt Leacock, which is ridiculous. You know, it's like just because you're not LeBron James doesn't mean you're not a basketball player. You know, if oh, you play I'm not basketball, a basketball <laughs> you know, I've got some friends that play basketball once or twice a week. You know, they're basketball players. That's what they do. They're not great, but they're still, you know, they, they are players of the game of basketball. And mm-hmm. so you know, right. just kind of just go with that. Right. Don't, don't listen to the lies that a lot of times we tell ourselves. Um, but anyway, any, yeah, what, what I, other I advice, agree. what other advice would you give somebody who's maybe, maybe struggling with that imposter syndrome? One, yes, I definitely agree with you. Um, the contest was merely validation for yeah. me, and that, it, I think that's completely subjective. Um, but I, I guess in terms of, of entering a contest, do something you love. Um, one of the things I loved about uh, the BGDL, did I get that right? Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> you say more than I do, I think. Uh, yeah. But um, one of this contest was that the sky was the limit. Um, and that was also the, the intimidating thing is that there were so many incredible looking games out there. Um, but, but that is an opportunity to, to dive into a theme or maybe like a host of mechanics that, um, that you want to do. Like you get to do what you want to do. And that was, I think, one of the most liberating things about designing in this, in this contest or in any contest that, that um, gives you that freedom. Um, because if you can do something you're passionate about, um, there's very little stopping you from actually just pushing it through to completion. Um, this theme, this Cambodian theme, I mean, this is just a, a speck um, within the whole Cambodian culture that uh, that I really enjoy. Um, just this whole rice paddy thing. I love it. Uh, I love anything that has to do with uh, my personal ancestry. Um, and so that was kind of what drove me to, to, to complete it. Um, the contest, yes. The deadlines, definitely. Um, but what helped me complete it was the fact that I was really passionate about what I was doing. Yeah, that's really cool. So, All right, hey, let's talk about that game. Seasons yeah. of Rice. Tell me about it. How does it work? You know, give me kind of the general synopsis, and then we'll get into the, the more you know, uh, nuts and bolts of it. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so Seasons of Rice is a two-player game. Plays over the course of like 10 minutes, um, and players partake in a, uh, a two-part drafting game, um, starting with the wet season and then going into the dry season, um, where the, the wet season, you have a hand of cards, a ton of these options available to you, and, um, and it kind of dwindles down to uh, where the halfway point of the game where players then switch to the dry season and then you have uh, a lot less options, um, three per player to be exact, uh, and you're taking those cards from the, the, the communal dry season and placing it into your tableau. So you're building this beautiful landscape in front of you of, of rice paddies. Um, yeah, and, and the player who, uh, who utilizes their ancestors' abilities uh, the best and um, gets the most victory points wins the game. Uh, so that's just kind of the general synopsis of it. Yeah, very cool. Hey, this is a game that I played a few times during the uh, the finals, during the uh, 
the last round of the contest. And I tell you what, man, you you handled drafting extraordinarily well. I, you know, I've played a lot of drafting games. Typically, drafting games do not work very well at two players. Like, it just does not work. But unless you add a dummy player, you know, that kind of thing. But you handled yeah. two-player drafting really, really well. And a really cool mechanic where I, you know, I take a card, and then I'm also putting a card down, and maybe I can get it later. Like, hopefully I can pick it back up, you know, later in the game. And, like, just the, the way you handled that was, was really thought-provoking, but at the same time, really quick. Like, you didn't have to worry about, you know, oh, well, analysis paralysis kind of thing. It's like, no, no, I'm going to take this card, I'm going to put that card down, here's the rest, and we'll just kind of go back and forth real quick. And I tell, you, I tell you what, you know it's a good game when, all right, so the first time I played it, I played it wrong. I misread a rule, and the way I played my cards was wrong, and I still had a lot of fun playing the game wrong. And then when I figured hey, out the rule I'd messed up, messed up, and I played it right, I had a great time. I had a lot of fun. I was like, this game is good when I played it wrong, but it was great when I played it right. And so that's, that's a good that's sign of a good game. Well, cool. I'm really glad that uh, you eventually got to play it right. So. <laughs> yeah, man, and it worked out. Um uh, but let's talk about, like, where'd the idea come from? Like, where'd you have this idea to make, uh, you know, you talked about, you know, you love the, the history, the rich ancestral tie-in to this, this stuff that you have. Yeah. But, like, where did the idea come from to make, you know, uh, an 18-card rice paddy uh, micro game kind of thing? Yeah, well, um, as I kind of mentioned before, uh, not explicitly, but uh, I'm Cambodian, half Cambodian, um, I'm on my mom's side. Um, and I got to go and visit Cambodia and, and meet my family um, a while ago. And just being there um, was, was an incredible experience and getting to see like where my mom grew up and get to, um, in some very small way, kind of experience the stories that she tell us growing up about her life and what it was like in Cambodia. She would work on her grandparents' rice paddy farm. And so uh, a lot of those stories I, I kind of broke down and just kind of pushed it into different places of this game. And, uh, and so it, it just kind of came to life that way. Um, I've always been wanting to be able to tell the stories that my mom told us to other people. Mm-hmm. People need to know the stories. Um, I don't know, like my kids, I can't wait to tell them about what they're uh, their yay or their, their grandma uh, went through when she was uh, a, a child in Cambodia, and so this is kind of a conversation piece starter and yeah, just a passion project. Yeah, very cool, man. How long did you work on the game? Um, probably since December okay. of 2017. So. Eight months. Yeah. Okay. So pretty good bit of time. It's not something you just threw together, and that that showed, right? The way uh, you did scoring and and kind of the different the little nuances of the game. You know, that's one thing about making micro games. And I don't know. If, I mean, this is a micro game just because of the number of components, but you know, this is much yeah. bigger than. And we're going to talk about that in a bonus round, but uh, this is much bigger than your typical. Here, here's a you know you have one option on your turn micro game. Like no, there's, there's a lot of depth to this and the different ways to score and and stuff like that. And so it was it was cool, man. I, I really enjoyed it let's let's talk about some of the ways you failed those eight months tell me about some of the things you tried and they just didn't work and you had to change them and you know all that of course yeah um well this is this is pretty fun um i took a lot of other games like honshu um from herbaceous and, and things like that um and i wanted to incorporate some of those really cool mechanics um and when trying to do that i uh, i think obviously failed miserably um <laughs> I remember trying to split the cards up into six segments, um, you know, in straight up and down and then uh, horizontally. Um, but it didn't quite pan out. Um, like placement was really janky and strange and, and very, 
I don't know. There's just things didn't work that way. And so uh, I went through, I don't know, maybe seven completely different iterations of this design before coming to something that felt a little bit more organic. Um, and it, it kind of came from uh, just just looking at other games. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was the only way that this could have happened uh, is by looking and, and seeing what else there was. So failures. I think some of the big failures were ancestors. I would I would make some of those ancestors really powerful, and people were just like, oh, this is like this was really hard. I did not like this. Um, some of them were way too easy, and so um, this is the yeah, scoring was, system, right? The scoring system, yeah. yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was one really really hard aspect to to kind of pull together. Um, was creating some variability. Um, and there's a game that my wife and I love, and it's called Santorini. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's that variable player power. Um, and it's very simple, but you there's so many different combinations um, that you can pit it against each other, and they all feel balanced. Mm-hmm. And um, you're playing a completely different game almost every time you break it out. And that was what I wanted to have with Seasons of Rice. However, in the very beginning, it wasn't that way. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there was a there's a lot of game breaking that happened. Yeah, it takes a while to get some of those uh, abilities and, and scoring things balanced, you know. And that's that's right. one of those things you just kind of have to do it over and over and over again. Good thing about a micro game and your game, it, it takes ten minutes, and so you can kind of do a lot of a lot of games in succession. But let's talk about that playtesting. Like, how did you? Like, what was your process of playtesting this game? Um, in the beginning, uh, I. I did it solo just by myself a lot i'd grab one of my kids and feel like i wasn't a crazy person and just like talking to myself through these different strategies (laughs) just sit them down like okay this is what you're gonna do um so i played i I don't know probably close to 40 40 to 50 games just by myself um and i felt like okay this seems like it's gonna be in a decent place um and because it's my first design i i'm gonna be honest i thought i was like this this is going to be awesome. And um, the first time I bring it out to somebody else, I think it broke it um, <laughs> immediately. It's just like, this is not awesome. Um, and it was just like, you know, uh, I had a bunch of these note cards and I'd scrawled all over them, um, little tiny weird drawings everywhere. Um, and yeah, yeah, so that's that was the beginning of playtesting. Um, fortunately, I think that things got better uh, much quicker than I anticipated. Uh, and when I'd bring it around, people were like, this is actually pretty decent. Like, I like it. But um, uh, a lot of times I was uh, I was a little hesitant of hearing that. Um, I was like, you like me. I, I don't know if you like the game, mm-hmm. so I need to go find some other people. Yeah. Um, and so that board game, or sorry, the uh, Board Game Geek uh, two-player contest popped up, and I was thinking, this is perfect. Um, it's an 18 card game. I can get it in front of people really quickly. Uh, and it's, it doesn't take too much to put together. Just, you know, cut out a few things and sleeve them. Um, and so I thought this would be a wonderful opportunity to get it in front of people who had no idea who I was, um, and who could give feedback, um, and be as, as mean as they wanted to. Um, I'm totally fine with that. Um, so yeah, I, I got it out and people had some great things to say. I think that the first the first comments on that work in progress thread were like, I don't get this. This rule is really confusing. And it was like, okay, all right, this, this thing is a little bit, but this is good. Streamline the game, streamline the rules. Um, 
and eventually I started hearing uh, really valuable feedback once people were able to get going um, and those rules were, were actually uh, able to be consumed and uh, people were able to play the game. Yeah. Now you mentioned that this was your, your first game, uh, like actual game design. Had you kind of dabbled in it and this is the first one you really went all in on? Like tell me where, where that is. Yeah, of course. Um, this is probably my fifth game. I've, you're right, I've dabbled in it. Um, it'd be really crazy to come out and just be, this is my first game design. I've never done anything else before. <laughs> right, I would be super impressed. Like, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I've done a few other things. Um, and like I said before, I, there were always like, uh, themes that I was really passionate about because I'm a theme first, theme first type of person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, for some reason those just, you know, they didn't stand up well. Um, however, I never did enter them into contests and never really put them out to the public. Um, I played them a couple times with like my brother or some friends and that's really as far as it would go. Uh, and that was fine. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I'm not completely inexperienced. This is my first design that has gone to be almost completed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. But I think you, you you made a good decision. I don't know if you actively thought about this, of making making a smaller game, like really trying to figure out how do we make a small game great? Because so often, this is something I did way back when I first got started. I tried to make a gigantic game that had like 47 mechanisms and all this, like I want all the things in this game. And that yeah. was a bad idea. I should have made an 18 card game. You know, I should have like, you start, you start small, right? You start, you know, you start in little league and you work your way up to the majors. That's oh, the way yeah. it's supposed to progress. But so often you know, people try to jump right in and jump right into the major leagues. It's like, no, 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 just try start small. And so I like that you, you kind of, I don't know if you recognize, that. I don't know if you actively thought about that, but uh, I think it, it worked out a- for you. That was a big part of it. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Having those constraints is, is really good. And before actually jumping into my initial designs of some other games, um, I was just consuming everything um, that came out from other designers. Grant Rodiak was actually um, hugely impactful uh, in in the, the start of my, my game designing. Um, I think he had a 54-card challenge. It was on a contest. Uh, but a challenge that he put out to everybody, um, and he was partaking in it himself. Um, and I didn't actually do it, uh, but I kind of watched from afar. And I was like, that's a really great idea because I think a lot of designs can suffer, or at least you know, beginning designs can suffer from just bloat. Um, oh, this is broken, so I'm going to add this to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that component constraint, having 18 cards or 54 cards, um, just makes it so that you don't throw extra stuff at it trying to fix something that could be uh, streamlined or you take something out uh, in order to make it better. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, what do you think are the keys to success when it comes to winning a contest? What would you, you know, if you're looking back and you're, you're kind of looking, you know, hindsight and going, okay, here's kind of the things I did to help me win, what would you say those things are? Well, one thing is definitely. Uh, Getting your game tested uh, and taking a lot of that feedback from players to heart and kind of putting your your pride, your ego aside and just saying, okay, I'm going to try this out and do it. Um, and then, yeah, and, and then watching it kind of evolve from there. Uh, a second thing uh, that I think was a huge contributing factor for me personally was the fact that I'm a graphic designer mm. um, and I also do illustration. Um not as as good as like my brother or some other people, but it it helped me to kind of visualize what I wanted and and to get it to a place where I could see the end result 
before I was actually there. Um, so I, I was playing with near-finished artwork and, and graphic design uh, before it was actually done. Um, yeah. So that, I think, was, was beneficial to me. Uh, I, I, I can't really um, say that everybody go out and get a graphic designer and right. grab a, an artist. Um, but yeah, that was... That was just a special case, I guess. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, if you've got that talent, if you have that ability, it goes in your favor for sure. But now, what what would you tell people? What would what advice would you give them? You know, if they're maybe they've never entered a contest before, maybe they're thinking about it, maybe something they they really want to do one day. What would you tell people that are kind of on the fence about it? On the fence about joining a, or entering a contest? Yeah. They're like, well, you know, I'm never going to win, or I'm not good enough, or maybe they've got that imposter syndrome kind of thing in the back of their mind. Like, what would you tell somebody who may have seen contests? You know, I put out. Uh, contests every Monday, you know, there's a whole list of all the contests that are running. Mm -hmm. And so somebody that's like, you know, they've seen those, but like, oh, well, that's not for me. What would you say? Um, I would say do it. There's, there's no harm in, in going for it. Um, you know, some, one, one thing is that, uh, you may grow thicker skin. Uh, the more that you do it, uh, the more that you practice, uh, and are able to kind of, apply yourself in that way, the better you're going to get. So uh, practice makes perfect. Well, you know, near perfect. Um, <laughs> you're always going to want to revisit those games. But um, being able to practice and, and being put under pressure like that, I think is one of the greatest ways to grow as a designer. Uh, I'm sure that the, you know, the designers we consider as the greats um, had, to, had to get better under pressure. Um, and so I think that if you want to be a designer, put a little bit of, uh, of that strain on yourself. Enter a contest. Uh, get yourself out there. You have no idea what you're going to accomplish. I really had no idea. Um, and suddenly, this tiny, humble 18-card game has won three contests. And I would have never thought that that could have happened. Um, so, yeah, I, you're not an imposter. If you are designing a game... Um, and, and you are pouring yourself into it. You're a game designer. You're already halfway there. Now just throw it out there and let other people try it. Yeah, absolutely. Now what advice would you give somebody like in the middle of a game contest? They've already, you know, they decided I'm going to enter, I'm going <laughs> to do this. Like as far as time management, as far as making mm -hmm. sure you get done by the deadline, what, what advice would you give somebody in that situation? Um, I would say utilize a calendar. Um, that was one thing that was really helpful for me. Um, like write down something that you want to have done, um, over the weekend. Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about being a part of the board game design lab is, is that, you know, what are your Friday wins? What was your Monday win? You know, like, what do you want to accomplish in this week? Um, and I think that those questions, uh, posing them for ourselves, uh, as well as just communicating them to others, maybe on social media, like on the Facebook, um, group, uh, it's it's a great way of of kind of committing yourself to to doing something. Yeah. Uh, and so that was one thing that was really great for me. I, I would watch other people update their stuff. Like, oh hey, I I finally created my prototype and I'm gonna get five playtests in. And I, I bet you that the people who said that they were gonna do that actually committed to doing it, mm -hmm. versus people who maybe thought like you know maybe I'll maybe I'll do some playtests. <laughs> um, maybe they didn't. Who knows? Um, so I think there's a little bit of accountability um, by by actually like stating what you're going to do, and then you know hopefully being able to follow through with it. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I think whenever you write something down, it makes it more tangible, makes it more real. Now, all of a sudden, it goes out of your headspace, and it's it's on a page, or in this case, it's on a Facebook comment, and you're held a little bit more accountable to it, even if you're not really. Like, nobody's going to come to your house and beat you if you didn't you know, do all five playtests this week. But you're you're doing something extra to kind of be held accountable, and there's other people in the community, and you know other people are reading that. And I think also, this is one thing. I, first of all, I had no idea this whole like would, would turn into what it is with the Monday and the Friday post. I thought this would just be a cool way to get people engaged and, you know, give some people, you know, get some discussion going. And mm-hmm. as of like Monday this week, there were like 200 and something comments on the Monday post. I was like, goodness gracious, this is like, this is a big deal. Like people are really enjoying this and taking it seriously. That but was it, wild. Yeah. And then you'll have another 200 comments on Friday. And I think it gives people, you know, something to shoot for, but also, you know, we love hearing about other people too. We get to get, you know, we yeah. get to engage as a community and say, "Oh, that's really cool." Oh, we get to put pictures up and say, "Oh, tell me more about this. This is really cool. How did this work out?" And it gives you something measurable as well. I think that's one thing that a lot of people miss about goals is somebody will say, "You know, I want to be a great guitar player." Okay, that's not a goal. That's a wish, right? Because a goal has a plan. A goal has something that's measurable, right? And so if you say, "I want to mm-hmm. finish my game," okay, that's that's a cool idea, but like it, need, it needs to be something measurable. And in that Monday post, you can say. Like you just stated, I'm going to play test my game five times. All right, that's measurable. You get to Friday and yeah. you look back and go, did I do it five times? Yes or no? Real easy. I did or I didn't. And you can kind of measure mm-hmm. your progress and your growth based on that. And so I feel like that's just a really a good thing to do in general, but especially if you have a time crunch, if you have a deadline, if you have a contest that you're, you're trying to get finished you know, before that, that uh, deadline ends, it, it helps <laughs> you know, write this stuff down. Yeah. And thank goodness no one's going to come and beat you. <laughs> right. Maybe that'd be a good service, though. We can turn that into an app. Be like Uber, you know, but you have to put goals in, and then people come knock on your door and be like, did you do it? Did, did you? And they rough you up a little oh, bit. Boy. I feel like we'd get a lot more done. <laughs> oh, yeah. So many finished games. <laughs> yeah, but at what cost? You know, at what cost? <laughs> Oh man. But anyway, what other any other advice you'd give somebody that, as far as contests or finishing things? Yeah, I, I you know. I, I think I'd almost just echo what most people would would probably say is get it out there as quickly as you can. Um, you won't know if it it's going to work or not until you play it. Um, so get it prototyped, get it finished, and do do what you're passionate about. Don't do something because um, you know you think that it's. Uh, maybe on the cusp of of trending as a game design or something. Mm-hmm. Do something you love, yeah. um, because you know, like things things are constantly changing, constantly moving. Um, I did something that I love, and you know, people gravitated towards it. Holy cow! Yeah. Who knew that was going to happen? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, cool, man. Well, hey, I really appreciate you coming on the show. We're about to head over into a bonus round. We're going to talk about micro games. Corey's got some experience there with Seasons of Rice being a, an award-winning, three-time award-winning micro games. We're going to talk about micro games in the bonus round. But again, Corey, appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on the show, and uh, good luck with everything you got going on right now. Thank you, Gabe. Thanks for listening. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?